Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast where we, we know Evan again. Explore he doesn't the big participate. Why don't you participate in the world of sports? He doesn't even answer on the why don't you participate? I'm here. All right, that's good. Okay, that, close enough. All right. So let's begin with Tiger and Phil. Okay, Phil won. Did you well, watch not, it? It's got nothing to do with Phil who won. This Did you is, watch it? Well, let no. I, w- I was busy. I could not watch it if I wanted to. You know me. In my my time was all taken up by youth hockey. By the way, yes, we were we played the Providence Hockey Club this weekend. Two games on Saturday. There was a game before our second game. Older kids, fourteen years old, I believe. Yeah. Massive parent brawl oh. in the stands. Fourteen year old hockey. Huge. I think it was fourteen. Might have even been younger. But fathers rolling down bleachers, punching. Bro, I, I want to get the Tiger and Phil into second, but I want to talk more about this is becoming a problem. Well, it's not becoming. It is a <laughs> this problem. This is becoming a problem. I mean, what in the sense? Come on. Oh, by the way, I, I, someone doesn't like when I say what uh, Sam yeah, Hill, yeah, our- which was funny because they put, will you please tell oh. Michael Barr to stop saying yeah. what in the Sam Cook is going on? Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. You know, I, I've been talking about it a lot during the year, like just everything about parent crazy and just the involvement. The yelling, the go play more, practice more, and then I guess the logical next step. And we hadn't seen this this year. We've seen some angry people, but full out brawl with, you know, kids scurrying and fathers rolling down the thing, punches being thrown. Game canceled. Kudos to the referees, by the way. Just two referees on the ice. Yeah. Cancel the game. Get the kids off the ice. Say, you're done. We're, you know, that's it. Then you worry about what happens in the parking lot. That's what we were all saying. What's next? Right. What's going to happen right. out there when the kids come out of the locker room? And then these same parents are outside with seemingly nobody to Well, I'm assuming monitor. that some people got arrested. I, I didn't see any police. I didn't go outside. I'm assuming they called the police, but I have no idea. Like, we stayed inside, and whatever happened out there happened. So... Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. But for Tiger Tiger and Phil, back to that, this was, in essence, sort of a a technology experiment that happened to be wrapped around a sporting event. Let's call it for what it was. This was about how can we deliver this product in a pay-per-view. And the problem was people couldn't see it. People couldn't pay. Well, 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 more than that is that some people couldn't pay, some people paid, and some people saw the thing for free. Yeah. Yeah, so the the the, the issue happened on, on Turner's end with BR Live, the, the, the process by which you paid and then got access to the stream broke down. Uh, so if you ordered this thing on various cable networks, including AT&T's DirecTV and Uverse, you had no problems. The issue was if you bought it on the digital streaming side, you had problems accessing it. And, and because they knew that was happening, as it was explained to me, the decision within Turner was, listen, we either don't deliver the thing to a number of people who bought this for streaming, or we make it free to make sure that everyone who paid for it can see it. And we deal with the aftermath of people who didn't pay for it being able to see it in the future. Um, And that's what they're dealing with now. Look, a number of cable providers came out uh, before Turner and said they were refunding it. That put pressure on Turner. Turner eventually did say that they would refund the $20 that anyone spent, uh, which makes sense. It seems to me the only kind of decision to make. Um, but it's a, I mean, it's a bummer, obviously, but the, the, the on, from what I watched of it, uh, I thought the broadcast was fantastic. It was really interesting. You can see a potential 
future of broadcast in that. And if you're a golf fan, um, as much as you may poo-poo the the way the thing was set up, getting to four extra holes, these guys tied after 18, you know, playoff. The I think it played out exactly the way Turner would have wanted it to, minus the big problem. For the young right? guy in the group, poo-poo? That's something like my, my mother would have said to poo-poo. Well, something. the word I would have used, I can't say <laughs> on Bloomberg Radio. Well, gosh <laughs> darn it. Poo-poo, yeah, poo-poo. Well, Sam Cook. I, 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 my, uh, friend of mine who was an avid golfer. I mean, very good. I grew up with the guy. I mean, he 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 couldn't wait to see this. Now, he's an avid golfer. This is so, this is not about that. This but this is not about that. This is about the technology and the delivery. Amazon had problem showing a European event. They got slammed for it. Uh this is a, is about not only the technology to show how many concurrent streams you can do and, and draw people to an event like this. But it's also about what did the broadcast look like? Mm-hmm. What, the, the audio that was being utilized, having the, the players talk to each other, the updated betting odds with each stroke on the screen. That's right. what this This was one big beaker to see what the experiment would look like. You know the technology is going to get better. You would hope for them, you know, obviously Turner and ATT, they, they would hope that it would have been gone, it would have gone per- perfectly, but that sometimes doesn't happen. And uh, maybe right now the winner is the linear TV saying, see, you're not there yet, folks. I know you're working, <laughs> but you're not there yet. And you still need us for for at least the uh, the foreseeable future. Yeah, to at least talk about the the on, the outside of the technical issues, the, the broadcast itself. You know, I see people, this bothers me so much. I see people out there saying that, like, if this is the future of sports broadcasts, I don't want to, I don't want to. Pr- the future of sports broadcast is many different streams. It'll be what you want the future exactly. to be. Yes. Yeah. If you Pers- want personification. If you just want the standard broadcast that is kind of milk toast and maybe a little informative, you can you will have that option in the sports broadcast of the future. If you want the drone footage and the gambling odds, you will have that option. If you want the X's and O's and the the guy who played football for 40 years and breaks down exactly what a bubble screen is, right. you will have right. that if option also. If you want the Eben Novi Williams live stream of what you're watching, <laughs> you will have that option. Uh, that will not be an option. Um, <laughs> but but the- this is the first, to my knowledge at least, certainly the first sports broadcast that has at least showcased what that other option, the gambling-heavy, yeah. drone-heavy, access-heavy broadcast Think about it in a, shrink- in a shrinking like. circle bar. You've got what you had was broadcasting. Right. Now you don't have broadcasting anymore. You've got narrow casting. Right. If you want darts, you get darts. If you want NHL network, you get that. You got that. And it's going to continue to be personalized. If you want golf with gambling, with drone, as Edmund says, that'll be on the menu. You you can watch it that way. You will pick how you consume. One other thing, real quick. The 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 idea I, I like the idea of the broadcast a lot. Tiger and Phil are not the right people to do this broadcast with, right? Like, imagine instead of a golf event between these two guys who, you know, especially Tiger, not the most charismatic guy out there. Imagine this this broadcast with a Conor McGregor fight, right? Yeah. Where he's mic'd up at all times. Yeah. You have the odds, the, the streaming odds. Is there going to be a knockout? Will be the, you know, him talking, you know, talking his smack to the guy ac- across the, the mat from him. Uh, this is a format that I think could be wildly successful. I do, I'm not sure if golf is the sport, and I'm certainly not sold that Tiger and Phil are the guys to do it. Well, keep in mind, too, that this broadcast, you mentioned about the broadcast and, and how polished it was. This goes back to almost 20 years ago where they started the old Monday Night Golf. Where you had match play, 
I think it ran from, what, 1999 to 2006. But you had this, and the producers of this match that just happened said, we watched a lot of that to see if we can get the feel to get it right. So Look at Barr, hearkening back to the days of Battle of the Network stars. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> uh, hey, National Lacrosse League, they have a brand new contract. Now, you think that would be a good news, right, Barr? That's like why the, I didn't say good news. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you'd think that a new labor contract, the, the start of the season had been delayed. You would think that would be great news. However, some I'm, I'm speaking to tell me that this isn't the greatest thing for the sport, at least from the ownership perspective, that they needed to get it done. They needed to get the guys in and playing. But the devil's in the details. And for the long-term health and growth of a sport, you can't take that rocket trajectory. And this remains to be seen uh, as to where is lacrosse going. We, we've talked a lot about We had Paul Rabel on. You've got the Premier Lacrosse League. You've got MLL. Now this with the NLL. But pressure on ownership and the ability to generate revenue and how much goes to the players. I know they're the product, but you're hearing now also, uh, and we, we're going to talk about this one day coming up on the pod too, the WNBA players are saying, we want a bigger cut of the pie. And the league is saying, okay, we'd love to deal with this and see what we can do, but there are realities and how much revenue is generated. So we'll deal with that too. But you're starting to see a lot of pressure. And this is not from the NFL and MLB where we know there's tons of money and how they're going to share it and the, and the teams are profitable. You're starting to see this pressure uh, from the niche sports of – Labor saying, we want a bigger cut of the pie. We want more. And management saying, folks, the money's just not there. So let's see long-term, three, five, seven years. If this new deal, yay, everybody's back, they're going to play, if it turns out to be a good deal. It's interesting to me the kind of the traditional feeling I always have for, for labor accords, and we've seen it play out certainly in the bigger leagues, is that if you get to a point where games are being canceled – that seems to, you know, essentially put more stress on players than it does ownership, right? Um, yeah, players but, usually need the check. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this seems like a situation where, again, for the NLL, the Indoor Lacrosse League, they were getting close to the point where this labor accord was going to end up canceling games, right? We're, we're getting they close already, to the they start. They already pushed back the start of the season. They had already pushed back yeah. the start of the season. Um, it's interesting to hear management say that this also, they felt a time crunch on this as well, that it's not just players who who usually are the ones that that, that, that have more pressure on them in These that situation. These aren't $3 billion franchises. This yeah. is not the NFL. And and what an interesting time from a business standpoint for lacrosse as a yeah. sport yeah. in general, right? There, there, there's two major leagues operating right now, you know, MLL, the outdoor one, which is revamping a lot of what it's doing right now from a business standpoint. The NLL, which just went through this, the indoor league just went through this big labor accord. And then on top of that, you have Paul Rabel, a, a guest of the pod from a few weeks ago, who's starting his own thing, which has a totally different business model. And, and we can argue the, the benefits or, or, or the potential pitfalls of that. Um, but three very separate leagues going doing very different things. A battle for the of lacrosse. Yeah, and and in my opinion, and I don't know if you guys disagree, but I, I'm not sure if lacrosse is a sport popular enough for three major standalone leagues. You know, it, it feels more like a zero sum game to me than other sports. On to the next topic: Godspeed, Bob McNair. We just lost uh, Paul Allen not too long ago, and, and now Benson. exactly, and, and now uh, Bob McNair, uh, owner of the Houston Texans. And the the irony is they play tonight. Yeah, well, you're, what you're seeing is the old guard. You know, you're seeing this passing 
uh, of the torch, so to speak, to a new generation of owners. And you wonder what the internal mechanism is going to be here for the new guys to step in and, and change the league. Because if you're coming in uh, at $2.3, $2.5 billion, you have a different mindset than somebody who has no debt on the franchise, even if you pay cash. You're still coming in with a different mindset than somebody who had the team for a lot of years and didn't pay anywhere near that. It's just a different ball game, and they're they're going to have some some interesting conversations with the new blood, the new breed of NFL owner. Yeah, and I think we've seen certainly with with a lot of sales recently in 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 in, in NBA and also the few that have happened in the NFL. You know, we end up getting a different type of billionaire that is buying sports teams now than the type of billionaire that inherited or bought, you know, NFL teams at a much smaller valuation 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, And it does make you a a part of the argument for why the NBA, I think, has become a lot more progressive, I think, is because of the the people that Adam Silver sees when he looks across the the, the table at at his owners. Um, And it does make you wonder if, if we get a changing of the guard, and I'm not sure you can speak to this, Scott, what what we think the future of the, the Texans are from an ownership standpoint. But if there does seem to be more David Tepper type people buying into the NFL, if that may change kind of the direction of the league moving forward. You think it would, and we don't even know what will happen with the Texans, and we still don't know what will happen with the Seahawks and the Blazers after the right. death of Paul Allen. We know that the trust is controlled by Paul Allen's sister, but they haven't said we're coming out and selling the team. Oftentimes, due to estate planning, due to taxation, oftentimes the franchises wind up being sold. But it's still an owner who has been there and paid less and has operated uh, for a certain way for a long time. And it does change when you bring in, as, as, as Evan said, sort of the, the younger, different breed of owner. That's the kind of person that's probably, probably going to come in to the NFL. And you can bet Roger Goodell and the others, as Adam Silver does too, they pre-vet buyers. There's like a runway of would-be buyers, and they have made themselves known to the NFL and to the NBA quite some time ago. So when these do things, these things, these assets hit the market, it's not a surprise that who's knocking on the front door saying, I'm interested. And to talk more specifically about McNair himself, he was a, a very influential yeah. owner. I mean, of, of these 32 guys, he was on the high end of, of people who have affected this league. And 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 it's a, you know, it's a fairly controversial uh controversial legacy i think i mean it's certainly he he was influential in you know changing the the stadium lending policies the g3 policy which is now the g4 policy um certainly i think his legacy took a, a stain last year when when he was the owner that you know was quoted in in that owner's meeting as saying we can't let the inmates uh, run the prison which I, I believe he apologized for and then retracted the apology yeah. uh for he stood up for jerry richardson a couple a couple months ago when when jerry richardson was going through his own kind of public problems another transition um, by the way i mean he was sort of yeah out, another, another transition um but yes this will obviously affect the league just in that not having bob mcnair there um a, a man who was you know influential in shaping the the league's business policies godspeed bob mcnair who passed away by the way he was battling leukemia and uh, unfortunately, he lost his battle. So good luck and Godspeed. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Evan Obi williams We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with former Pro Bowl running back Robert Smith. Ooh! 
Yeah, really? We didn't, we didn't tell you Robert Smith was coming in tomorrow. Wow. Oh, man. That's I'm, I'm the sorry. Ohio State. Yes. How close is Minnesota or Minneapolis <laughs> to uh, Detroit? It's yeah. not Barry Sanders. That was like a Barry oh. Sanders Isn't that a, isn't no, that a division it, rival it, here? Yes, it is. But still, it's, man, it's, anyway. That's cool. We should we should stop telling Barr who the guest yeah, is until this <laughs> moment and we get his unfettered Man, reaction. Sweet. <laughs> You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, and where our podcast is available. 